When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. With their precision, their glamour, and their ability to captivate audiences, Rockettes at Radio City Music Hall have been entertaining audiences for almost a century. While celebrated by many as one of the most prestigious and exclusive dance troupes in the world, despite their popularity and cultural significance, it was not until more than half a century after their origination in 1925 that African Americans were allowed in the famous dance group, as their inclusion was labeled by ownership and management to be a, quote, distraction and something that would disturb the look, unquote. Abolishing the long-standing Radio City Music Hall Rockettes policy against hiring African Americans, dancing, in effect, to dismantle discrimination, shattering stereotypes as she successfully made her way to the stage, long overdue. It was in 1987 when today's guest made history in the arts and entertainment world, becoming the first African American Rockette to join the elite ensemble. By transcending the racial barrier, she ushered in a transformative modern era for the group. And with many notable achievements and a remarkable journey that not only dismantled racial barriers, but has also been able to serve as an example and as an encouragement to many. Today's guest is a true trailblazer that has opened the door for more diversity and inclusion in the arts and entertainment industry and has motivated many young black girls and women to aspire to higher, healthier heights and to reaching their full potential. An award-winning American performer recognized worldwide for her groundbreaking accomplishments and equal rights advocacy in the arts. Here with us to share her inspiring story and to discuss how she continues to advocate, break through barriers to make a difference, and influence positive change. We have Tony Award winner and the first African-American Radio City Music Hall Rockette, Ms. Jennifer Jones. I am Maggie B. Nowen. And this is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast with your host, Ramses Ja. So Jennifer Jones, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me on. Of course, of course. This is a very special day for us. So um, for folks that may not be familiar 
And in the tradition of this show, we ask a question before we start talking, which is for you to share a bit about yourself, a bit about your upbringing, and ultimately what led you to your career path. Um, a little bit about me is that I'm born and raised in New Jersey. Um, my my parents uh, always wanted me and my older sister to be involved in some kind of activity. So from a young age, they put me and my sister in dance classes. We were um, in our working with our community center, working with uh, baton twirling and gymnastics. So we were always involved in something. And my parents were very big Broadway supporters. So they always went to Broadway. They, they've seen Hair, Old Calcutta, Pippin. And when The Wiz came to Broadway in mm-hmm. 1975, um, they took me and my sister to see it. And after the first time, we went four more times. Um, I fell in love with the stage in my fourth grade recital. Um, I was very, very shy growing up. And my fourth grade teacher picked me out to be one of the leads in a dance role in the school recital. And being the shyest person in, in, in my class and then going up on that stage felt like a feeling like no other. I felt like I was home. Mm. So my parents kept taking me and my sister to see The Wiz. And that was with Stephanie Mills, Andre DeShields, Hit and Battle, um, Mabel King. It was amazing. And I remember sitting in the theater and thinking what the performers were doing that day. What are they going to do after the show? Are they warming up? After the show, we would go backstage and wait with our playbills and our pens and just get autographs. Mm -hmm. And I remember driving home, looking at that playbill, and I wanted to walk out of a backstage door. I wanted to walk out of a backstage door one day. I didn't know in what capacity, but I wanted to do what they were doing on that stage. And I wanted to walk out of that backstage door. And that feeling, that knowingness that I wanted that at such a young age, kind of made me take my path of of where it would lead me. And I just followed my path from there on. Okay. Okay. So um, obviously uh, the Rockettes is a, is a big deal and you being the first African-American Rockette. So talk to us about how that came together from your interest in it to the audition process and, you know, maybe any sort of challenges that might've, presented themselves? Um, Well, once I became a teenager, graduated high school, um, I just, my mother decided that if you're going to do this, we need to take you into New York and get you in some dance classes. So I went to Broadway Dance Center and um, Frank Hatchett was, was my mentor. And I had some friends and there was a publication that would come out every Thursday with a list of auditions. And we would all sit around and go through the auditions. And I was looking for Broadway. I was going to be on Broadway. The Rockettes audition I saw, and I kind of blew by it. I never knew who the Rockettes were, really. I've never seen them. My parents never went to go to any of their shows. Um, One of the girls there said, Jennifer, you should go to the Rockette audition. You would be a perfect Rockette. I was like, "Mm, I, I don't know. But I was very green in the business, very nervous at auditions. 
that morning I woke up and I decided to go to the audition just to find a way to work through my nerves because I was going to be on Broadway. (laughs) So uh, by the time I got there, there was a line of ladies wrapped around the the, the building and I got at the end of the line. I didn't see another, another person that looked like me, not, not another woman of color. And I'm standing there and then I looked at my watch and I said, well, I'm missing Frank's class, his 11 o'clock intermediate class. Maybe I should just go to class, you know, and I kind of pondered the thought back and forth. And I was just about to walk off the line and an inner voice said, stay. Mm. And I did. So I stayed. Um, I went up to the small rehearsal hall and it was still very intimidating to me because that's where we would warm up and everyone was beautiful. They know how to, they knew how to wear their hair and the, the right audition clothes and the right rockette clothes. And I just kind of walked in, um, very unprepared. I did not have a picture and resume. I did not have my tap shoes. Um, but I went to the audition and at the end of the, at the end of the audition, the stage manager came up to me and he said, Jennifer, we're giving you a call back, bring your picture and resume and bring your tap shoes. Nice. And that was in a time where, you know, there weren't printers around. I had to go back to New Jersey. I was living in New York at the time, go to Kinko's, (laughs) print out a a resume, get an old high school modeling headshot. And then I went to the callback. Okay. Okay. I like that. (laughs) So obviously this has been something that has been widely celebrated and widely acknowledged. Um, One highlight in particular was you performing at the Super Bowl. So um, tell us a bit about your uh, performance at the Super Bowl. I believe it was the halftime show in 1988. So this is very early in um, as the Super Bowl was becoming what it is now. Uh, But still, you know, the the largest sporting event in the country. Um, Tell us a bit about that experience and and what that was like. What what you're feeling being the first black woman to make it to that level and any pressure, what the experience meant? Just talk us through that. Um, yes. So when I first, when I first realized I was the first black woman on the line, I learned it from the 11 o'clock news. <laughs> I wasn't told until um, later that I was the first black woman to be on the line. And then I was immediately thrown into media training. And at this time, I really did not know the history of the Rockettes. Okay. Um, so there's, I didn't know the history. Um, there were some people who were very happy to have me on the line. And of course there was some backlash where, you know, some people were, were not happy to see, um, a diverse and more inclusive line or trying to get that way. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my experience, um, at the Super Bowl was amazing. I've never performed. It was my first big job ever. And um, to be in that stadium, being viewed around the country, um, I was nervous. I was excited. I was honored. I um, 
I felt like I was living the life that I was supposed to live. Yeah. I wanted to dance and I was dancing. I was living out my dream. So it was um, an amazing experience for me. And also there were Chubby Checker um, also performed in the halftime show. And Doug Williams was the first African-American quarterback to win that game. Really? So there was a lot of uh, historic moments a lot there. Of, a lot of, yeah, a lot of black history. Yes. That day. Okay. I love it. That's we we celebrate <laughs> that around here. So we came to the right place. Yeah. So how about this? Um since then, uh, there's been a lot of things that have happened in the you know, media and entertainment in the arts. Um, you know, Oscar's so white, you know, uh in the Me Too movement, you know, uh for uh the for women in, in those spaces. Um and then other First, notable first, other advancements, and certainly some setbacks as well. So let's get your thoughts on, just generally speaking, some of the, uh, r- rather the evolution that you've seen, maybe some of the advancements uh, you've seen in theater and, and uh, in the arts and entertainment industries. Um, and how have you seen the trend uh, from your perspective with respect to black and brown uh, um dancers, actresses, uh, uh, artists, etc. Yes. So you would think that in our day and age, against especially New York City, the multicultural backdrop of all of this, that we would have seen more advancement, right? And, and we're still getting firsts in our Mm -hmm. world. Um, I think it's one step at a time. I think when I was hired in 1987, the woman who ran the PR department at Radio City pulled me aside before my halftime show and told me that I was old news. Nobody cares about me. You're lucky to be here. So I feel like whenever there's Black progression, there's white backlash and it's being stripped away. And I feel for me, those words carried a lot of weight for me throughout my professional career. And I took it through me with my personal relationships. Mm. Words carry so much weight. Um, It wasn't until 2020, until Madison Square Garden actually sat me down and acknowledged me as the first Black woman to be on the line Mm. from 1987 to 2020. So we're still having having this long, you know, progression to trying to break through. Um, Death of a Salesman on Broadway this year has hired their first Black actor for the major role. Strange Loop is the first African-American musical that's been coming on Broadway celebrating, you know, the LGBTQ community. Um, I still think that we're trying to make progress. We still need Black producers. We still need Black Broadway owners. We still need Black stage managers. I think this is um, a whole, as a whole, we need to, to grow. So I think we are making steps, but I feel like it's taking forever. Baby steps. <laughs> yes, but but we're getting there. We have we have to keep moving forward. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings that frustrating thing your mom does, or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest, whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. 
Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. GameBridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Okay. We are here today with equal rights advocate, award-winning American performer, and the first African-American Radio City Music Hall Rockette. Ms. Jennifer Jones, learning more about her inspiring story, her groundbreaking accomplishments, and discussing how she continues to make a difference and be an influence of positive change. Okay, I, 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 I wonder what your thoughts would be on like what improvements we would need, um, because this is something that I often ponder. If, if you, you know, this, this some some problems are bigger than us, um, bigger than even our time. But, you know, if you could see a change, just, we'll just focus on one uh, that you think would impact um, most little black girls and even black boys that are trying to move into this space or thrive or, or um, make a name for themselves in this space. What one thing do you think would be most impactful in their lives? 
I think one, one thing is listening to their inner guidance system, like I did when I was about to leave off to walk off the line for my Rockhead audition. Listen to your inner guidance system. I was in a place of discomfort. If I had gone to my jazz class, I would have been comfortable and I probably would not, I wouldn't have become a Rockhead or made a difference. They have to listen to their inner guidance system and stay in that place of discomfort mm. um, to, to break through barriers. And also I think it's part of a parent's role to notice what makes their child flourish. For me, it was dance. For someone else, it might be cooking. Put your your child in cooking classes, or if they like IT, put them in an IT class. Notice what your child is drawn to, and help that and help that grow for them. Mm. I like that. I like that making it a little bit more personal because um, there is a, a significant amount of personal responsibility that goes into a story like yours. Um, not necessarily uh, throwing your hands up and walking away and say the system is biased against me, but rather engaging and preparing yourself to, uh, you know, weather the storms that come. So I, I love that piece of advice. I appreciate that. Um, so let's switch gears here a bit. Um, I know that you've embraced a healthy lifestyle overall, and you recently overcame a significant health challenge. So could you share a bit more with us about what that was and what that was like and kind of give us some insight into your having a more health conscious uh, lifestyle. Absolutely. So um, since I was studying dance at an early age, I owned an aerobic studio for three years in the early nineties. I would always been active vegetarian for 25 years at the time mm. um, considered the, the healthy one in my family and at age 50, I was diagnosed with stage three colorectal cancer. Mm. Um, it took me by surprise. I felt ashamed and embarrassed. And I did not tell my family for a while. Um, I went to the doctor and I knew something was wrong and I asked her, if I could, you know, be seen as soon as possible. But she looked at me and she said, oh, you're healthy. You know, my schedule will, you know, find time for you. That was a couple of weeks out. And as I was coming out of my anesthesia, anesthesia, she told me that I was, I had cancer and I had five years to live. Mm. So that I have two children. My life went before my eyes and um, I didn't know what to do. I just felt shame. It wasn't until I told my family that um, I immediately changed. Um, they had my doctor had hooked me up with a surgeon. I went to see him and get his his thoughts and it just didn't feel right. And after I told my family, I went to Sloan Memorial Sloan Kettering. I was connected. Yeah, it's a it's a hospital in New York City that okay. only deals with cancer. Gotcha. Um, my surgeon, Dr. Iris Way, and my oncologist, Dr. Elizabeth Wan, an almost all female team, um, took me in. And just being in that that environment, I felt safe, and I felt I was going to be cared for rather than being with that other doctor. Okay. Um, she pulled me aside and she said, "Well, what did the other doctor tell you?" And I said, "Nothing." 
And she said, her jaw dropped. And then she said, you have stage three cancer. Um, You have to go through chemotherapy. And we're going to try to shrink the tumor. And once it's shrunk down as much as possible, you'll have to have surgery. So I started my chemotherapy treatment. And I did not, I didn't tell a lot of people. I just told my immediate family. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how my body was going to react. Sure. Um, so it was just a very private experience that I I went through during that time. So these days you're uh, helping spread awareness about the importance of cancer screenings and early detection. So um, the floor is yours. Talk to our listeners about why that's important um, and some of the coping strategies that you use to deal with it. Um, After my surgery um, and after my recovery, I was so thankful and I did not want anyone else to go through this. Mm -hmm. So I volunteer heavily with the Colorectal Cancer Alliance about spreading the word about early detection and awareness. Um, Like I said before, I was very ashamed and embarrassed to talk about it. I had to really find a voice to get the word out there, especially in the African-American community, Mm -hmm. because we don't have the resources, the education or the conversations about it. Um, And I, I, I wasn't feeling comfortable talking about it. And these are things that we need to talk about. We need to know our family history. Mm. We don't talk about that. The colonoscopy age has dropped from 50 to 45 because there is a young onset colorectal cancer happening. and, And we don't know why. They don't know why it's happening. It's being found in younger and younger adults. So it's important to have these screenings. And... If you're not comfortable going for a colonoscopy, there are other ways to get tested. There are uh, at-home tests and blood tests that they can do in the doctor's office. But the surest, most proactive way is just go get a colonoscopy. It can save your life Mm -hmm. and and chemotherapy treatments. (laughs) Nobody wants to go through a chemotherapy treatment. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, uh, I have a... A cousin who um, had to go through chemotherapy and it was very taxing. You, I, I used to think it just affected, you know, your hair, but it affects your body in a very <clears throat> profound way. And it's very, very difficult to just live with it. It's agony. So, absolutely, chemotherapy. Um, my hands and feet became discolored. I had sensitivity to cold. Even with a warm summer breeze coming on, it hurt my hands. I had to have gloves next to my refrigerator um, to pull things out. Um, my my hair th- my hair was thinning out. I lost weight. Um, so there's a, a lot of things that that happen um, during treatment. But thankfully, it saved my life. But a colonoscopy is the surest way to to get screened and stay healthy yeah and I, I think it's important to to establish this you're doing okay now right 
Yes. So okay. I've been cancer free since 2019. Congratulations. Um, so thank you. So yeah, so I'm I'm spreading the word. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's switch gears here. Word on the street is that you've been working on both a children's book as well as a memoir. So tell us both, tell us about both these projects and kind of what the inspiration is for both of these. I've had these um, ideas to write these books for a while. My first idea was to write my memoir just to let people know about um, my, what, I, what I've done and laid the platform for this beautiful, diverse line, all-inclusive line that Madison Square Garden is trying to build, which I'm so happy about and I'm so happy to see um, in my lifetime. Um, so I just wanted people to know my history um, and I just... That was my thought for the book. And then when I approached my agent about, about my memoir, she said, you should write a children's book. So I have to give credit to my agent, Johanna Castillo, mm. um, who encouraged me to write a children's book. And that that book is about a little girl, me following my love for dance, having her parents support, and hopefully getting a conversation going between the child and parent by the end of the book to for the parent to ask their child, what is it that you want to do? What is your gift to the world? And really have them explore that. I love it. I love it. Now, um, you know, Maggie's sitting here with us and uh, this is Women's History Month. And not only have you made women's history, you've of course made Black history and we appreciate you coming on to share your story. But with it being Women's History Month, um, there are some things that we are doing differently around here. So I'm going to tag Maggie in here. She's going to get a get a question out um, and hopefully um, you'll have uh, a little bit of fun with it. OK, so Maggie, the floor is yours. Thank you. Uh, great conversation. Thank you so much for all of all of your hard work over the years and your inspiration. Um, you mentioned some of your great mentors and the resources that have played a part in your trajectory. When we're talking about important women specifically outside of those that you have named already, who have been some of your greatest mentors, whether you've known them in person or just those that you've looked up to historically, um, you know, in the Black history space or Black present history space, who would you say um, comes to mind as far as who's played a part in your in your life? Well, I have to say I stand on the shoulders of my ancestors and all the Black dancers that have come before me. I stand on their shoulders. Um of course, um, Judith Jameson is a beautiful dancer. She made a lot of headway in the Black community. Misty Copeland, of course, also. Um, also, during, during uh, I went through a rough time with my life besides my cancer. And Oprah Winfrey's magazine was just coming out. And she gave me a whole new way to think by turning my perspective around and viewing problems and attracting it what I want. So I I did a whole life change when her magazine came out just to just to change my thought process and get me out of some really difficult um, situations. I love that. So um, before we let you go, um, I do want you to share your social media 
and of course, ways that people can support what you're doing, in particular, support the uh, books that you have coming out. So um, let's go ahead and list all of your socials and your, your your leave your digital footprint behind and then how folks can support you. Um, my social media, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are Rocket Jen. That's mm. uh, Jen with two N's, Rocket underscore Jen. Um, for my books, my children's book will be out October 31st of this year. So um, I will be posting on my social media page um, how they can go and get that. I've also designed a dancing Jen doll that will be accompanying that book mm. on its way out. And my memoir does not have a release date yet, but it will be out in 2024. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I would like to thank you very much for coming on the show today. Um, you are a, a vision and a brilliant mind and an inspiration. Once again, today's guest is equal rights advocate, award-winning American performer, and of course, the first African-American Radio City Music Hall rocket, Miss Jennifer Jones. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I am Maggie B. Nowen, and today I'll leave you with this. Representation matters. And seeing someone who looks like you successfully overcoming obstacles and achieving their dreams can be a powerful motivator. Continuing to empower Black girls and women to pursue their dreams and to pursue better, no matter the challenge. Most gracefully dismantling stereotypes and breaking barriers, Ms. Jennifer Jones has significantly helped to pave the way for more diversity in the arts industry and has graciously left many doors wide open for generations to come. Showcasing a testimony of what happens when determination, courage, hard work, and talent meet opportunity, Ms. Jennifer Jones is an authentic demonstration of what is possible. A true inspiration with her dedication to health, happiness, her passions, and her perseverance. Grateful for her shining examples and her shared testaments of trial and triumph, let us leave today's conversation informed, inspired, and filled with hope. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show is produced by Chris Thompson. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. We'd love to hear from you. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. Find your daily podcast host at Ramses Shaw on all social media. We look forward to your joining us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. 
Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences, with fewer people, and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited-time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.